It's time for JT the Brick. The Raiders need a wake-up call right now. If you don't progress and get better, they will cut you or trade you. You don't throw the ball out of bounds when you're down eight. There is no excuse for that. Everybody knows that my philosophy is to play faster. Don't huddle up when you don't need to huddle up. Make the play simpler. Run simpler plays and run them faster. Run them until you're blue in the face and don't leave practice until the janitor says we're closing the lights out. You guys got to go home. We're going to run it. We're going to run it. We're going to run it. Give the ball to Devontae, Jacoby, and Hunter and Michael Mayer. I don't care who the sixth receiver is. JT the Brick. Too many people are getting comfortable. Smarter, faster, more explosive players who are disruptors. Everything that you could read that was negative and wasn't positive in this game, I gave you in the first five minutes of the show, and I do it five days a week on my radio show. There's no sugarcoating here. You're a Raider fan. Act like it. Get behind the team. And now, uh-oh, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. JT with you here in Vegas, as a lot of our friends are over at the Combine. Uh, doing a nice job as we're covering Tom Telesco as he spoke earlier today. We got a lot of sound that we're going to play here over the next couple of days. Nothing ground shaking, nothing crazy. We talked about Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, the quarterback position, the strength of the roster, his relationship with Antonio Pierce, which is very important going forward. They never met each other until the press conference till he got there. And now he's pretty excited about working with them as the coaching staff has been built up. So with everything that's happening, uh, Tom Telesco, I thought, had a pretty good day today. I did. He answered every question in a 10-plus minute, maybe 15-minute uh, time frame there, and I was okay with it. And we're playing some of the sound coming in. Nothing is going to be perfect with Raider Nation. Raider Nation always wants to get answers ahead of time. There are no answers as we're sitting here. There are no answers as we sit here. We're waiting to see... What is going to happen next? What will happen next? Tom Telesco will be in charge of. And as he's in charge of that, he'll give us the best of the best, whatever he can give us along the way to jump on in here. And we'll, we'll figure out if we can handle it or not. I think most Raider fans can handle it. I think most Raider fans will be able to understand what's happening here, that he has a big decision to make at quarterback. And with the big decision at quarterback, you know, it's an important time here to understand that you might not be able to get the quarterback. It might be too expensive. The veteran quarterbacks all have issues. Kirk Cousins is coming off an injury and Achilles tail. I mean, come on. This is a big deal. What are you going to do here? Aiden O'Connell, there are some fans. There are some Raider fans who come up to me and think that AP, Antonio Pierce, really likes Aiden O'Connell, and we're good with that. I'm not one of them. I like Aiden O'Connell. He needs someone on the roster who is on paper better than him better than him so let's see what happens as we go forward here if you want to get through 702-365-9200 uh chris powell's going to join us and we're going to jump in and we're going to jump in and talk to him about the track and what's happening this weekend also the rugby event that we continue to talk about as i'll be a small part of that and go into the event good weekend out here you know the weather i think is going to be really windy today and tomorrow and as that weather gets windy we want to make sure that it's going to be okay because the rugby is going to be indoors and we're going to see a really good race out there but it could be windy the race could be windy and how will that affect the race if you're a diehard nascar fan you know a lot about that but nascar and rugby in town two big events that draw a lot of hotel rooms now we filled all those hotel rooms that came in in a big way, those hotel rooms are filled for Vegas and the Super Bowl 
everybody seems to be happy about that. But I'm pretty happy that rugby comes every year internationally. Soccer comes internationally. We have the rodeo that comes internationally. So with all that, it's a good time to be in Vegas here. And if you haven't tried some of these sports, you can have the opportunity to jump in and see it for the first time. Who would not want to go to a NASCAR race for the first time? If you've never been out there, don't be intimidated by it. Pick a driver, go in and have a good time. If you haven't been to rugby, find a way to jump in via rugby and go out there and have a good time. Chris Powell kind enough to join us over at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, also a Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Famer. Chris, great to talk to you again. We do it a couple times a year. And I think coming off the Super Bowl and how great Vegas did, People are even more optimistic for your first of your two great races. How are you? Thank you, JT. And I'm not nice enough to join you. You're nice <laughs> enough to have me on, and I'm so appreciative. It makes uh, promoting a special event here in Las Vegas that much greater to have support from people such as you. And uh, we look forward to having a tremendous crowd out here for NASCAR weekend, March 2024, this coming weekend. and weather's going to be perfect and we're going to have a big time the racing is going to be awesome i guess you saw the mm-hmm. completion of the the daytona 500 two two mondays ago when they got rain in daytona and mm-hmm. they had a tremendously exciting race and perhaps the greatest race in nascar history was this past sunday at atlanta mm-hmm. motor speedway when three cars were door handle to door handle yeah. at the start finish line to end 400 miles of racing, and we're hoping for a similar kind of finish this Sunday here for the Pennzoil 400 here at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. You know, Chris, it's great when a race doesn't end under caution. I had Larry McReynolds on after the Daytona 500, and you don't want it to end that way, but eventually a race has to end, and when everybody's trying to get to the front in a restart, and someone who never thought they had the opportunity to win the race can steal the race on a restart or come from behind, there's going to be a lot of bumping and grinding and some yep. accidents along the way. But you always hope for a clean race, especially with the sight lines there at your great track here in Vegas. Well, you're exactly right. And, and that's one of the hallmarks of NASCAR racing, JT, and that is the close competition. The cars are so even. The driving skills are incredible. And this is not to cast aspersions on our cousins over at Formula One, but mm-hmm. but you know they I don't how many races they have this year eighteen and I think one guy won mm-hmm. seventeen. Uh, I think there were sixteen or seventeen winners overall last year in NASCAR in the Cup Series, and the you know just the competition itself on the racetrack is unparalleled in any other form of motorsports. I mean it's just amazing, uh, you know, and that is that has been the idea behind NASCAR racing since its inception back in the late 40s there's the close competition and when it when that gets out of hand then then the sanctioning body nascar does something to make sure that it it evens out and uh they you know they've been criticized at times over the years for that but it has yielded incredible racing and fans love to come to show up to the speedway on a sunday not knowing who is going to win. And that's uh, that's one of the exciting things about NASCAR, and that's what we expect will happen not just on Sunday here for the Pennzoil 400, but we've got three days of racing, a triple header with the Craftsman Truck Series at the Layuna mm-hmm. on, uh, on, on Friday, excuse me, the Westgate, uh, World mm-hmm. of Westgate uh, truck race on Friday and the Layuna, uh, the 300-mile Xfinity race on Saturday. So we'll have three great days of racing and uh, 
a lot of fans will be happy by the end of the weekend. And we've done some special things out mm-hmm. here. We've got, you know, RVing is such a big part yes. of of the NASCAR experience. To be able to come and spend the weekend at the racetrack, and so uh, over the over time, our infield needed some improvements. It, it, it gotten a little crusty out there, and so mm-hmm. we've gone in and spent a tremendous amount of money to repave the RV surfacing in the infield. Uh, every RV that is here this weekend, whether it's in the infield or out in the uh, drag strip area, will be on asphalt. Fans just love coming here to Las Vegas Motor Speedway, not just from our local area, but also from they come from the Midwest, they come from Canada. Of course, we sell tickets in all 50 states, but you have people coming from all over the western part of the United States to spend the weekend in their RV, and some of them will matriculate on down to Phoenix yeah. next week for the race down there. So uh, just a lot of excitement. Chris Powell, kind enough to join us, president and general manager of the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Been there in that position since 1998. That's the year I came to the Raiders up in Oakland. Man, it was tied with that year in 1998. You mentioned F1, and you always take the high road. And I'm not looking to butt heads with F1. I enjoyed it. I went one night. It was all over the strip and around the strip. It cost a lot of money. And a lot of fans were priced out. And I know it's international, and it's F1, and it costs a lot of money. But, man, it, it tore up this city for eight months. And a lot of casino workers were really frustrated that for a short sporting event, the city was torn up for a while. Not the case with the Las, Mo- Las Vegas Motor Speedway, where the track is located. People now accustomed to that, how you made transportation easier to get in and out with shuttle services and other forms of transportation. And, Chris, the most important thing, the reason we always love having you on, is you're great at selling tickets because they're affordable. You mentioned the RV park. And to be out there and to be able to fly your American flag and listen to rock music and get sun and then experience the grandstand if you're one of the neon garage, it's the perfect spot for global entertainment. JT, do you need a marketing job? We'll put you to work <laughs> I'll out take one. Speedway. Uh, <laughs> you make you make a lot of good points and you make a lot of the points that that I've been making with other interviews this week. Um, but look, F1 trained a tremendous spotlight on this great city. And yes, there were a lot of hurdles and a lot of inconveniences for a lot of people in our town. And I'm sure they're doing everything they can to alleviate as much of that as they mm-hmm. can in the future. Uh, but we're proud of what we have here at the Speedway. And, and we've been here for you know three decades now, in the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, the, now, pretty much in our fourth decade here at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And uh, we're proud of the role we've played as a good corporate citizen here in this community mm-hmm. in southern Nevada. And uh, and and we don't ask for a lot of tax dollars. You know, mm-hmm. you, you you see, uh, JT. I mean, you you follow professional sports. You see these these team owners, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's in the NFL, the NBA, or Major League Baseball, that are going to their their states and their local communities and asking for tax dollars to to remain. They they hold them over a barrel, and. Uh, and and I'm sure that frustrates a lot of the common folk, and uh, that's something that I'm proud of that we don't do here at Las Vegas Motor Speedway or in our company, Speedway Motorsports. We're pretty much privately funded. Yes, we do have a very good partnership 
with our friends at the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. Uh, but for the most part, you know, we are privately funded, and and we pay a tremendous amount of taxes, you name it, whether it's property taxes or revenue, uh, mm-hmm. the live entertainment tax, those kinds of things. Uh, but pretty, for the most part, privately funded, and mm-hmm. and and we don't create a lot of ripples from a no. traffic standpoint. And we certainly had some challenges when this speedway opened back in the mid '90s. Uh, but we've gotten beyond that, and uh, I hear fans come up to me on race weekend and say, you know, I'd always heard these issues with traffic at the Speedway. Well, heck, I drove right in here and yeah. and uh, never never a delay. So, you know, we're proud of the way things have evolved here at the Speedway and the role we've played in this community, and we look forward to being here not just for four or three or ten more years, but we look forward to being here for 50 more years. Absolutely. You're a great partner with sports in Las Vegas. That's why you're in the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Famer with your team. Tickets are still available at LVMS.com. Call 800-644-4444. And Chris, on the way out, tell our audience, someone who's never been to a NASCAR race, the size of this crowd, what the weekend's going to feel like, and why it's imperative to experience NASCAR for the first time in Las Vegas. Well, we'll have anywhere upwards of fifty to 70,000 people here this weekend. And one of the things that, that fans need to do when they come out, especially if they're coming for the first time, is come early, enjoy what's on what we used to call in the old days the midway. Now it's the, the fan activity zone. And there are so many things out there. It's not just about racing. It's about Americana. Mm-hmm. It's about enjoying uh, and being free and, and, like you said, seeing the American flag and all the various acts and the and the the, the elements to our our fan entertainment zone the, the midway area, uh, whether it's music, whether it's opportunity to 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 make plans to actually drive a race car, uh, we've got manufacturers that are out here with their wares, mm-hmm. some of whom are 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 auto manufacturers, and look at some of the latest models. Of the uh, that will be on the highway over the next few years, uh, just so much to experience. And then you go into the neon garage yes. inside the speedway, and you get to see the drivers and the teams as they're preparing the car uh, cars to to go out on the racetrack. Uh, there's we're going to have a, a country music act a hit group called Maddie and Tay will be performing here on Sunday morning before the green flag falls, and uh, one of my favorite moments of of every year is when at the uh, end of the national anthem and you got tens of thousands of people standing and not wearing hats and not kneeling, but rather looking up into the sky and seeing our friends from Nellis Air Force Base yes. bringing those fighter jets over top. It is bone chilling and it's spine tingling. And it is going to be a great weekend of NASCAR racing here at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Thank you, Chris. I'll see you out there Sunday. Have a great weekend. I know you're going to knock it out of the park as always. Thanks for the time. Thank you for having me, JT. You got it. Chris Powell, one of the most influential people in Las Vegas, period. Chris Powell, one of the most influential sportsmen in all of Las Vegas. The revenue that he brings into this city with his team at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway is incredible. You hear me talking a lot about rugby this week. I'm behind the scenes 
with Rob Cornelius and the people there. I love when business comes to Vegas. I love when thousands of people come through our airport to come here for sports and to have NASCAR here, 50 to 70,000, and then the playoff race is going to have more than that. Just incredible. And I was texting with Cisco, who runs the black hole out here with Mark Jones in Vegas. He's going out there. What I usually do is Sunday I get up. If it's a church Sunday, what we're doing with the kids, I think my son's coming back from college this weekend from ASU. And I'm going to get out there, and my wife and I are going to drive. We're going to park. We're going to go in. We've got our NASCAR hats on. We're going to have a couple of beverages. We're going to wait for the flyover. We're going to watch the racing. We're going to be outside. going to have great weather. And we're going to bump into some friends. Whenever we walk around, we see people there. And it's part, as Chris just said, it's Americana. Okay, I'm not saying you got to be diehard Kid Rock. I'm not telling you what political party you need to vote for. I never would. I'm telling you, you have to experience America at a NASCAR race. That's what they do. They do it better than hockey. They do it better than the NFL. They do it much better than the NBA. No one stands with NASCAR. If you want to fly your flag and go have fun and listen to rock and roll and noises of cars and see some speed. I've been a big fan of NASCAR because it works for me. It was what got me from the end of the year, the black hole in Oakland, to the start of football season. And, you know, there's certain races I like. I don't like short track. I don't like short track. I don't like Bristol. I don't like the short tracks. I like the super speedways where you can bump draft. You need help to get out and go catch a car. You need teamwork or not teamwork. I love the racing. I like the long straightaways. I like speed. I like NASCAR. Dale Jr. was my driver. I really don't have one now. There's a lot of new drivers I'm not aware of, but I'll be more aware of it after the weekend. Brad Spielberger is going to join us from PFF. Always an educated conversation on the cap. I'm fascinated how the cap went up. Uh, we'll talk to him nationally about a couple of the teams out there, get a Raider question in or two, and we'll roll with that as we continue on. And we're going to talk about Tom Telesco and his performance today coming up next. Yeah, market, I don't know, but I do know there's just a, there's a lot of backs that are available this year. Um, so I guess it remains to be seen, you know, what, what other people think. But uh, the talent pool at that position for agency is, you know, relatively high. Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio as we continue today. Brought to you by Resorts World. A lot of new things happening at Resorts World. Uh, if you're going out to Resorts World, walk in and look at their directory now. Wife and I went to the second store, some of the retail Went past one of our favorite spots there. You know, I like 8 Cigar Lounge, but Wally's and Carver's Steak and all the restaurants are there. The Gatsby Lounge and Doghouse Saloon, which I always walk by and say hello to the staff, the GM, because we send a lot of people over to Resorts World to watch football, college and pro. Monday Night Football, our official home for Monday Night Football is Doghouse Saloon at Resorts World. Head on out there, and if you're a local, get in there. You'll see what it's like. A lot of people come in from out of town, from all over the world, but it's set up beautifully for locals to come in via the strip, the back garage. I love it. Very convenient. Coming in from Summerlin, coming in from Henderson, wherever you are on the strip, go check out Resorts World. So as I mentioned earlier in the show, I watched Tom Telesco's press conference twice today because it was difficult to hear the questions, and the Combine's got to clean that up. 
Uh, he was great. I, I, you have to listen because they don't have a boom mic. It's the freaking combine. It's 2024. They need a boom microphone over the crowd because it looked like he had a big crowd today, and people mentioned that. And you got to be able to hear the questions, and you can't hear the questions. So I'm watching on Twitter and on YouTube. Raiders do a great job. The camera's set perfectly, but you got to wait for him to answer a question that you can't hear. So the combine, that's an Indy problem, not a Raider problem. It's an Indianapolis problem. I don't know what you got to do, but clean that up. That was very frustrating. That's why I watched it twice today before the show to try to take a couple of notes and hear what he had to say. A couple of my takeaways from Tom Telesco there. He was asked a lot about the running backs, not using the franchise tag, which he doesn't anticipate. So what does that mean for Josh Jacobs? We all know what that means for Josh Jacobs. He's going to be evaluated by a new general manager in Tom Telesco. Josh did not have a good year last year. He didn't. Uh, he missed the last four games. He started late. The Raiders didn't run the ball. The Raiders fired the head coach because the offense was awful. Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. And they wanted to run the ball a lot with Josh. And the offensive line was up and down. PFF gave out some good grades, some average grades. So it wasn't an easy year for Josh Jacobs. He started off slow and he didn't end the season. He missed a bunch of games down the stretch and we saw a lot of Zamir White. I noticed that Tom Telesco mentioned the fact that this is a really heavy offseason for good, solid running backs. You got Derrick Henry, you got Saquon Barkley, you got Josh Jacobs. You got a lot of players who are available at that position. But I think the top three or four are all worth anywhere from $11 million to $14 million. No one wants to use a franchise tag on a running back, period. Some of the best running backs available could be franchise tagged. And from what I've heard, most of these GMs don't want to use a tag and spend the maximum amount of money. You can spend more if you do a deal, and it's cap-friendly, and it could be longer. We know that with a big incentive and a signing bonus. But the general number of $14 million for the salary cap, it doesn't seem like a lot of GMs want to do it. And if Derrick Henry's available, you know, one of the uh, insiders I talked to on text message made an interesting point. What if the Raiders don't bring back Josh Jacobs but brought in Derrick Henry? I like Josh Jacobs. He knows the system really good. He's great. I think that Josh Jacobs is a much better blocker in the passing game than Derrick Henry. I know that to be a fact. What if the Raiders brought in Saquon Barkley or the Giants didn't bring back Saquon Barkley and brought in Josh Jacobs? Is it all a wash? It probably is with the first top three or four guys. But what I find interesting here is Tom Telesco respects the process going on. We all know that the head coach, Antonio Pierce, loves Josh Jacobs. And what is he going to be able to do? What is he going to be able to do with him? I don't know. I think that the Raiders are going to work aggressively hard with Josh Jacobs to get a deal in place that is Raider-friendly and works well for Josh Jacobs. I don't think they're going to pay him a premium or over to do that because the market deems that you don't have to do that. Again, on the record, I love Josh Jacobs. I think he's a great Raider. He has an opportunity to be one of the greatest Raiders running backs of all time. The problem with the great Raider running backs of all time is a lot of them were running back by committee. Mark Van Egan had you know great running backs around him. There was a running back by committee, Marv Hubbard, fullback slash running back. You had guys, Clarence Davis. You had guys that had multiple running backs working with them at times. Marcus Allen with Bo Jackson, Bo at Marcus. We go back to Zach Crockett, Tyrone Wheatley, John Ritchie at fullback. I've mentioned all of them. It's tough to have a 
grinded out number one featured running back in Raider history. One of my favorites that we see around a lot is Darren McFadden. Darren McFadden was a great player. He's a great Raider, played well for the Cowboys, but you know McFadden was an elite player that played on some pretty bad Raider teams. He did. He played on some bad Raider teams and wasn't able to get going and able to dominate, I think, the way he could have. But Josh Jacobs, we've seen him dominate. So Tom Telesco is not walking a tightrope, but he's in a tough spot. He's at the Combine. It's Raiders reporters and national media all asking about Josh Jacobs. He mentioned the quarterback depth coming out here this year, and he made a good point about I really enjoyed his comments on the quarterbacks as he talked about the elite group this year, next year could have some. that Look, we all know that this is the year to get the quarterbacks next year. We're not going to have Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. We'll have a Heisman Trophy winner and a quarterback that'll pop, but not the depth of this one with J.J. McCarthy, you know, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr. The next layer of quarterbacks could be pretty good. Could be pretty good overall for the Raiders if they don't get a top three. But I, I like the way he talked about what they need to do and how they're going to evaluate that position. Going back to Justin Herbert, Tom Telesco made a clear point that when he was with the Chargers, they had the quarterback, but he evaluated all the quarterbacks. Josh McDaniel said the same thing. When Josh McDaniels was working with Tom Brady all those years, he scouted every quarterback. Offensive coordinators and GMs scout every quarterback because they might get him, they might get him later, or they might compete against him. So Tom Telesco, I thought, did a pretty good job on that. And then when he wrapped up the press conference, he talked about Antonio Pierce filling out the coaching staff, and he was very impressed with that. He mentioned that he had extra time with Antonio Pierce because the Super Bowl was in town, which was obvious, but it was pretty cool the way he said it, that he had extra time with the head coach as they're getting to know each other. Remember, the first thing Tom Telesco said, he never met Antonio Pierce before this process, and he's working with them now. He touched on Champ Kelly with JoJo Wooden coming in, a senior player, personnel guy, and I think Q asked a question how they kept Champ Kelly and the depth of the personnel department. Tom Telesco said that they have probably three and maybe more future GMs on the staff. We know they have former head coaches on the staff with Joe Philbin and Marvin Lewis. So for Tom Telesco there, he wasn't overwhelmed. He's done that podium speech many years with the Chargers at the Combine. He looked very comfortable in that situation there as I'm currently looking at all the insiders who were there at the podium listening to him speak. Paul Gutierrez said, quote, we scout every position like our roster is empty. Very good point. Uh, Also, Paul Gutierrez tweeted, he's a Raider. Tom Telesco on Devontae Adams. Uh, Tom Telesco from Paul Gutierrez on Josh Jacobs. We're going to explore pretty hard and see if we can bring him back. Ooh, okay. If you read that and you didn't watch the press conference and hear his tone, you might look at it a different way. And then the key one, I don't anticipate using that franchise tag this year. That's Tom Telesco on record saying that he doesn't anticipate having to use the franchise tag that a lot of these GMs don't want to use. And a lot of good information. Vic Tafer, I'm looking at Vic as he's there at the Combine. Telesco liked how Pierce took his time putting together a staff. Quote, this is his first time, but he handled it like a pro. And Vic also tweeted out, and he's got video. He was standing right there. Telesco said Raiders will explore, in quotes, ways to bring back Josh Jacobs. And I think that's going to be red meat for Raider Nation. I think a lot of Raider fans are going to say, what did he mean by that? What, what does he mean by that? He's going to explore it. He's right in the building. No, he's going to do his job, and he's going to explore it. 
And it's going to be very important for Tom Telesco to be there and make sure he does all the due diligence on Josh Jacobs. There's a lot to look at with Josh Jacobs. The key is, how much more does he have in the tank? Last year at times, I couldn't tell. I didn't know. But then there were times he ran really hard in games and he started to pop. But there there was so much criticism for the Raiders last year on offense. I don't think it's fair for Aiden O'Connell, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers. It was never fair for Hunter Renfro, who's just dropped off a cliff and wasn't used by the former regime for their reasoning. They had the reasoning not to go to him. But these are all players that Tom Telesco is going to dive into here, and I'm sure he's doing that now. Uh, Tom Telesco said he wants to establish his philosophy of re-signing our own, even though he didn't sign any of these players. I thought that was a very mature, very mature a comment to make there because Josh Jacobs is going to be a priority here. It's going to be a priority here to get him in. The quarterback is the reason why everybody's there in front of Tom Telesco today. The quarterback is the question that everybody asked. And what is he going to say? He also talked about these meetings, these 15-minute meetings. Not a lot comes out of it. But I also, and I don't know much about this, it seems like Tom Telesco is pretty impressed with the scouts that he has in the building from the previous regime under Champ Kelly and Dave Ziegler, who we mentioned yesterday is going to consult the New Orleans Saints here throughout the draft process. And then Tom's going to bring in his own guys. I don't know the number. I don't know the scouts as easy as I can repeat to you all the coaches that were hired here. I can tell you the coaches that have come in and are new. I don't know what Tom Telesco has done in regards to bringing in his own people from scouting departments and some of the, the, the regional scouts that are out there, what the turnover was there. But he really respects the process. So that's what it is. Uh, hopefully Tom's going to sit down with Vinny and one-on-ones with Q and everybody else, more of that content if we get audio and video on that. We'll make sure we put it out. Q, I talked to today. We're going to have him on. Vinny Bonsignor, Levi Edwards, the remainder of the week here. We're doing a lot this week. I'll be in the building tonight at the Raider facility hosting a chalk talk, which I'm looking forward to. So the Combine guys are out there and gals are grinding out some information, and we're going to go through this week like I always do on my calendar this week. We got international rugby from Australia. I'll be down at Fremont Street, part of the interviews with the players. I'm excited that I was invited to do that. And then we'll be out at the track for NASCAR as we're obviously doing some NASCAR interviews along the way as that's the largest sporting event in Vegas. The largest attended sporting event in Las Vegas is not the Super Bowl, the Golden Knights. It's NASCAR. We have more bodies at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, more human beings and fans at that event this weekend by far than any other sporting event in Las Vegas. So we treat it that way with the respect that it deserves overall. But the franchise tag on the running backs, it doesn't seem like any of these running backs, Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, and Josh are going to get franchise tags. That means as unrestricted free agents, other teams have the right to look at them and try to put deals in place. I saw some knucklehead earlier today put and superimpose a Chargers uniform on Josh Jacobs and what would it feel like if Josh ended up with the Chargers reportedly Jim Harbaugh might be interested in that Jim Harbaugh has the right to be interested in Josh Jacobs everybody's interested in these guys a running back is a premium position even though the price tag has been devalued the Raiders have a couple of good running backs I would be thrilled to see one more season of Josh Jacobs and if he signs a contract here it's probably going to be more than one but Zamir White ran hard last year I love the way Zeus 
ran the football. Remember, the Raiders beat Kansas City without completing a pass in the second, third, and fourth quarter. Go back to that game and see how the Raiders and their physicality with Zamira White up front controlled the ball and played pretty well. I thought that was a fabulous game for him along with the Raiders' offensive line. 702-365-9200. If you're a Raider fan and you got a chance to listen to Tom Telesco today, if you were on live with Twitter and YouTube, tell me what you think. It's a pretty big day. The Combine's underway. The Raiders were a featured team today. As the GMs are speaking, Tom Telesco spoke. I thought he did a pretty good job. I went back twice, listened to every answer, and the guy is focused. He's a veteran GM And I think that's clearly what the Raiders need now with Antonio Pierce as his first year as the head coach, not the interim head coach. And this team needs to work together. They have to be great together. That's really important. Brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit of Modelo, the number one beer in America. Modelo, proud partner of Raider Nation Radio and the Silver and Black. You know what? There's just all different personalities. So it's not like we're looking for one personality. There are all different personalities for different positions. I, I certainly would never grade someone's personality. Um, I just want to know, are they committed to football? Do they love to play? Do they want to get better? Um, and look, we're, you know, we could all give those answers, but a lot of it is we need to see examples of that. And a lot of those examples happen in the last three or four years with these players, whether from, from the recruiting into college all the way through college, we try and get some information that way as far as experiences more so than somebody just going to tell me what, what I want to hear. Tom Telesco, what type of player he's looking for? Well, he's keeping some Raiders around, obviously. Raiders who were drafted in here before he got here. Now he's got to put his stamp coming up here on this. He's at the Combine. We've been playing all the sound. I'm enjoying this show today. It's full service. We got NASCAR. We got football. We got everything. That's what we do here in the Raider offseason. We'll have Q Myers, Vinny Bonsignor joining us, Levi Edwards, the remainder of the week as we continue on. Thrilled to talk to Brad Spielberger from PFF, one of the premier cap insiders out there. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Brad. Thanks a lot for coming on. And this cap money, I wanted to reach out to you a couple of days ago because the cap money continues to go up, up, and up as teams now have more money to spend. Yeah, the biggest thing is certainly just that we are now through the the period where the cap was suppressed because the players were effectively paying the owners back, so to speak, um, for their ability to keep everything afloat during COVID. So, you know, or, or past that point. And then, like you mentioned, obviously the influx of new revenue from the new TV deals kicking in. You know, I'm sure gambling revenue is now a, a factor to a degree as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good time to be an NFL player looking for a new contract. You always hear about these teams that are up against the cap. Uh, walk me through what New Orleans did with Derek Carr to redo that contract. Because I've always said this as a fan. They always figure it out. If a team's up against the cap like the Chargers, they're not going to be able to keep uh, Khalil Mack and Bosa and Derwin James. What is it like as a capologist to watch a team work some new room in on top of the extra cap space that they're getting as the cap went up? Yeah, so you know, the Saints do is they essentially have these large salaries or roster bonuses, but essentially you know, these large salaries which all hit in a given year. When you pay a player a salary, all that money – hits that single year in the cap. If you spread that money and convert it from a salary into a signing bonus, then you can spread that cap hit over five years. So, mm-hmm. you know, essentially 
let's say hypothetically, you know, Derek Carr had a $30 million salary, that all $30 million was hitting 2024, you convert that into a signing bonus, and it's only $6 million in 2024, and then obviously $6 million hits in the four years after. So, bing, bang, boom, you clear $24 million, and you have more space. So, look, you obviously can do that for a very long time. It's kind of like a credit card. At the same time, though, I mean, the Saints have lost a lot of good homegrown talent and have signed a lot of mediocre mid-tier free agents, haven't made the playoffs in three years, uh, probably had the worst division in football this year, and still couldn't make it. So can they get away with it? Like, can you be cap compliant? Yes. But um, it is hampering their ability to have a good team at this point. You talked about Tier 2 and Tier 3 free agents on Twitter, the NFL so-called middle class. So let's just maybe give me one or two teams that you believe can find a way here to – get increasingly better via free agency, not wait for the draft because they got a good capologist, a good GM, and some quarterback that might redo their deal where other players can stay on the team and not be lost to free agency. Yeah, so that that was really about just the the players in terms of, you know, the top guys are always going to get the the massive money, and then you do sometimes get pinched if you're kind of in that middle market. So, um, but yeah, there are a couple teams that certainly, you know, you you fold in the uh, the, the draft capital as well, Arizona, for one, is very intriguing to me. Can they very quickly go from, you know, a top five draft pick to, all right, we have two first-round picks. We have a bunch of cap space. Can we kind of build this thing out, get a healthy Kyler Murray, who did play well to close out the year? Um, they're very intriguing to me. And then also, they got to pay some homegrown guys. they got to figure out Jared Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown. But I think we could see Detroit. They've been, you know, playing it slow being patient and picking their spots in free agency, not really splurging at all, do they maybe make a splash at the upper middle tier, maybe even the top of the market for a certain player they think can kind of vault them from where they were to you know a true contender at the top of the NFC? Brad Spielberger is our guest. So I am fascinated by Russell Wilson and what Denver did to him. I believe, just my opinion, Denver did him dirty. They never wanted him. Sean Payton, I get it, didn't want to be around him. And I understand if Sean Payton is a quality of life for him. If he's going to move to Denver and coach the team for five years and he's not in love with the fact that Russell Wilson's his quarterback, move on. But the amount of money that Denver is eating and the fact that Russell Wilson could reportedly play a one-year $1.21 million deal and the Broncos could be on the hook for $39 million, Every team would want Russell Wilson at a minimum like that. From the Raiders, where I am in Vegas, to the Giants, instead of Daniel Jones. How serious is this for Russell Wilson to take all that Denver money and help a team out by playing for low cost? Yeah, so it is going to be really, really fascinating if he's willing to go that low. Uh, yeah, so essentially, <laughs> there's $39 million in guaranteed money that Denver owes him for 2024, and there's offset language in those guarantees effectively whatever he makes elsewhere would eat into that number so no one's going to pay him more than that so they are going to pitch him hey come here play for a little bit we will spend the money we're not spending on you we'll get you better teammates and build up the roster around you um, and, and try to build out a true competitive you know contending type team i think optically and for, for pride and all that maybe he doesn't take a minimum deal but even still, you know, take five, ten mil, whatever it is, still below what he's probably worth on the market. Probably twenty-five, thirty, still at this point. Um, you still you pay him way less than that, and yet convince him to just just play on a team where you'll spend that excess cap and cash elsewhere. Uh, it's going to be fascinating, like you said. A lot of teams 
very quickly become probably interested if they can get Russell Wilson for close to nothing. Yeah, give me an example of a team that could do that. And again, it could be any team because say Russell Wilson, he's got a lot of pride. He's got a Walter Payton patch. He's a captain. If he goes, look, I'll play for $5 million. I get it. I want to stick it to Denver. I want to stick it to Denver for what they did to me. I want them to pay the freight. He's got to find a team which is complex that already doesn't have a good quarterback. You can't go to Buffalo. He's not going to go to the Jets where Aaron Rodgers is. But how many teams is there four or five burgeoning playoff teams that Russell Wilson can put him over the top? What's the market going to be like for him? Yeah, the big one that jumps out when you kind of lay out all those parameters is Pittsburgh. Is the Steelers yeah. say, okay, look, we don't really know we have a quarterback. If we don't have to make a big splash, we're not trading for you know Justin Fields, we're not signing a top-of-market free agent like a Kirk Cousins. We are just bringing in you know a guy that we know is not going to be here very long. Maybe he even is just a one-year deal, but you go to Russ and you say, look, we have George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. We have a really, really good defense. It's an established organization. Everything, you know, is it's set in its ways in a good way, and the team obviously doesn't never doesn't win. Um, like they make a ton of sense to me as an interesting one. Then you touched on a couple. Like New York, if Daniel Jones is still getting healthy, would be interesting. Um, does he want to go in with with a competition? Probably not. Let's um, say Minnesota lets Kirk Cousins walk, and they say, "Hey, Russ, come play here." You can be the bridge to the future. We're going to draft a rookie, but it's your job for at least 2024. Like, there are a handful of teams that are quite interesting, um, including those I just talked about. Brad Spielberg, as we wrap it up. So Chris Jones, who, who dominated the Super Bowl, here's what fascinates me about him. He, he's the type of guy that every team would want to pay, most likely, and have come. But isn't the pitch from Andy Reid, look, let's do another one-year deal. Let's do something short so you can be a part of a three-peat which no team's ever done, is that going to be the recruiting tool for Kansas City instead of losing good players to say, come on, let's just do this one more time. Let's try to be better than the 72 Dolphins, the 18-0 and Patriots, and have a special three-peat season. What is the motivation for Chris Jones to stay in Kansas City or test free agency? Yeah, so look, he's definitely, I don't think, going to take a one-year deal just because he does want to protect himself financially. and. Right. As incredible as he is, you never know, you know, year-to-year basis, getting hurt, all those things. But I, he definitely wants to say. I, he, he made that clear at the, the, the parade. And from what I've heard, I think they are going to figure that out there. Because like you said, it's very hard when you're basically, your baseline is making the Super Bowl. You've won three of the last five. I think they continue to get better, really. They, they are healthy on the cap. They can spend more cash beyond just Chris Jones. So, yeah, I think it's a great recruiting pitch and, and a selling point. Why, you know, for the last couple of years of your career, why would you not want to stay uh, and just chase ring after ring in, in Tennessee? And I think uh, that, that logic is going to win out. Should Josh Allen, the great defensive end, be franchise tagged, or should they give him a big new deal, cap-friendly to the Jaguars, who I think had a window of opportunity the last couple of years to go deep in the playoffs? Yeah, they should have extended him last offseason. So I, I think a tag will start. Um, but they would be fools, in my opinion, to not extend him after that. So place the tag to buy yourself more time. You have until July. Um, but the, the market at edge is only going to continue to grow. It always does. There's some good young players coming up. So, yeah, I think a tag will happen in the next, you know, 10 days. Uh, but they would be very wise to, you know, pay him before Brian Burns gets paid, pay him before anybody else gets paid, frankly, because uh, the edge market is, is, you know, it's not quite quarterback, but, but it's always going to increase. 
Brad, last one. I believe Caleb Williams is worth three first-round picks, Drake May and Jaden Daniels, two. Am I right or wrong? I think I see it the same way. Yeah, I mean, I think Caleb mm-hmm. is uh, slightly in a tier of his own. I think he's the best prospect in the class. Uh, and I think his, you know, if Chicago were going to trade that pick, it would be legitimately one of the biggest trade holes of all time. I think they're going to mm-hmm. stay and just take him. But, but yes, I, I see it the same way. Always great talking to you, Brad. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate you. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Brad Spielberger. Good information there on that. So as we've been prepping for the last two weeks on the quarterback con- uh, con- conversation that we're having here, uh, there's another one, another, I think, high-end insider saying that Russell Wilson's perfect for the Steelers. So what I do, part of my job is I defend the Raider fans on radio who don't have a voice or a radio show, not all of them, to defend the Raiders. That's all I do. I try to do that to my, the best of my ability. If Russell Wilson's good enough to play for almost free in Pittsburgh, you've lost your mind if you don't think that Russell Wilson could play almost for free in Las Vegas. I would take it personally. If Peter King, Brad Spielberger, uh, Adam Schefter all on record saying, you know, this Russell Wilson's a great player. He'd be perfect in Pittsburgh. Take it personal that they're not saying he's perfect for the Raiders. Because if he's perfect for Pittsburgh, those insiders think Pittsburgh's better than Las Vegas. That's the way I look at it. If he's good enough to play for $1.9 million, you got to kick the tires and invite him to be a Raider. He might not want to be a Raider. You might not want him to be a Raider, but you got to explore the possibilities of having a future Hall of Famer still on the back end of the prime of his career to play quarterback for a year. Then go get J.J. McCarthy. Go get Bo Nix. Go park someone behind Russell Wilson for a year with Aiden O'Connell. Uh, you don't ask Aiden O'Connell to compete with Russell Wilson. Aiden O'Connell can't compete with Russell Wilson, nor could Ryan Tannehill, nor could Kenny Pickett. Most of the quarterbacks in this league can't compete with Russell Wilson. So I'm exploring this topic because this is what we're supposed to do. Look at every option, lift up every rock, and say who's available to play quarterback for the Raiders. Maybe I will come up with that list uh, tomorrow on the top eight that I have. Eight, including Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, uh, Jaden Daniels, some of the other ones there. But I don't want to see a stopgap veteran to come in here. We tried that with Brian Hoyer. How'd that work out? We interviewed Brian Hoyer on the day that we covered, what was the name of that show we did? Me, Q Myers, Lincoln Kennedy. We had a whole bunch of us sit at the round table on the Raider practice field. Brian Hoyer came by with his uniform on after he took the team picture. He was great. Nice interview. Says he wanted to be the backup of the Raiders. He was the backup. He had experience. Didn't work. So we don't need a backup just to have a veteran. We, the season ticket holders, need a backup that can come in and win games. And guess who did that? Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell was the backup, went five and four, and played pretty good in some games. Other games, I don't think he played great, but he found his way to win. And that's very important with this organization. If you're not an elite player, if you're a rookie, if you're getting your first start, you could be Jacorian Bennett, Zamir White, Aiden O'Connell, Michael Mayer. Show us that you can play and play at a high level. And I think a bunch of rookies did that last year. I'm really excited about the future of Michael Mayer, Aiden O'Connell, Trey Tucker. I think these guys are going to play well for years to come with the silver and black. But we're looking for a star quarterback, and I don't know where he's coming from yet. Q's coming up. He's at the Combine. He was there for the scrums and the podium. He's got great content coming up next from Indianapolis, where Raider Nation Radio is based and headquartered all week. I'll be back here tomorrow with a big show lined up already. Excited what we're putting together the rest of the week. Tell you about my Raider Chalk Talk tomorrow. 
and hope you have a great rest of the night. Thanks for those on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to the new page, JT the Brick YT, on Twitter, JT the Brick. Have a great rest of the day, everyone. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys.